Welcome to another episode of We Don't Die, where my goal is to give you evidence that although our bodies will disappear, we will survive physical death. I'm your host, Sandra Champlain, author of the international best-selling book called We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death. And I'm really excited to introduce you to Roberta Grimes, who's our guest today. Roberta is a business attorney who had two extraordinary experiences in childhood that prompted her to spend decades studying nearly 200 years of communications from the dead. Using this material, the principles of quantum mechanics, and the latest development in consciousness research, she was able to assemble a detailed picture of what happens after death. In 2010, Roberta published The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens Next. And that's how I actually met her. I bought that book. In 2014, her sequel, The Fun of Staying in Touch, details the many ways in which the dead give us signals and signs of their survival, and some astonishing recent advances in the field of life-after-death communication. She now follows those books with her latest book, Liberating Jesus, which is going to be available worldwide in some of the biggest stores, she tells me, and that examines the words of Jesus from the viewpoint of afterlife evidence. Roberta argues that Jesus is much more than a religious figure. Roberta is a graduate of Smith College and Boston University School of Law. She has a weekly podcast herself called Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes with hundreds of thousands of subscribers. And you can visit her website, robertagrimes.com. So I've said enough. Welcome to We Don't Die Radio, Roberta Grimes. Oh, Sandra, I'm so glad to be with you. This is going to be so much fun. I know. I feel like I just introduced a rock star. And for our <laughs> listeners, I had first read a book called Your Eternal Self by Craig Hogan. And I went to his website and all of a sudden, you know, there's recommended books and I see The Fun of Dying. And it's a beautiful book with a sunflower on the front. And I tell you what, it pissed me off that title. <laughs> it did because it's like, how can dying be fun? And so that's what had me read it and that's what had me fall in love with Roberta and that's why she's on the show. So <laughs> enough about me. Roberta, <laughs> where are you today? Are you in Texas? Yes, I'm at home. I'm oh, in Austin, Texas. Very nice. And uh well but I've told as I've told you, I still practice law and mostly in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. So you and I are going to do lunch before long. Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Um and how about a little bit about you? Because how how does a person start studying this whole world of life after death and what what prompted that when i was eight years old i woke up and this was a long time ago april of 1955 mm -hmm. i woke up in the middle of the night and realized there is no god and i was terrified and in the midst of my terror there was a brilliant flash of white light in the room that makes me remember to this day in detail what my room looked like when i was eight years old and there was then a voice that said you wouldn't know what it is to have me if you didn't know what it is to be without me. I will never leave you again. Of course, when you're eight, nothing is surprising because everything is surprising. That was just new information. If you forget that there's a God, they'll remind you. And I went back to sleep. Mm -hmm. But people who have these experiences always, the experiences are two, two things. The experiences are always fresh in your mind. It feels 60 years later as if that just happened. And you never talk about them. I think because they're so precious and so weird, you know they're real and you also, nobody will believe it. So right. therefore, 
you just don't talk about it. I didn't talk about it till I was 45 years old. Very interesting. Um, yeah, tell us more. Because you, well, you wrote it, this book, The Fun of Dying, and it seems like... How did I get from there to, to The Fun of Dying? Well, yeah. I realize now that before I was born, I signed up to do all of this. And this is new information to me, and I'm sharing it with you. Okay. Um, we, we'll get there in this hour, but uh, it was it's a long process because that was my spirit guide, I now realize, who spoke to me when I was eight. Mm -hmm. When I was 20, after having chosen rashly to, write, to major in religion in college, and you know, they didn't know either what had happened because I never asked them a question. I never got an answer. Mm -hmm. I was pretty discouraged. I came home. I sat down on my bed at 5 o'clock in the afternoon this time, and uh, over my shoulder came the same white lights flashing in the room, beautiful music this time, and the same voice said, I will never leave you. And that's what really got me started on researching the afterlife, because I figured if I'm the only person in the entire universe that God has had to twice speak to about forgetting there's a God, I want to know where that came from. And I figured it came from where the dead are. So that's when I decided that I was going to research the afterlife. And I've spent decades, until after, probably after 1975, I think, Raymond Moody's life after life really opened the floodgates. Right. But there was very little information that, that you could find just browsing in a bookstore. After that, there began to be a lot of information. And the beauty about those books that came out in the late 70s and 80s is that they all had bibliographies. Yes. And therefore, you could buy a book, and I always check to see if there was a good bibliography before I bought one, and then you could start reading all the stuff in their bibliographies too. And that's how I discovered that we have a great source of, of original data about the afterlife. Most of it was received through deep trance mediums, and it came in the late, very end of the 19th century and about the first 40 years of the 20th century. So I spent a long time just reading every book I could find, of that, and there are quite a few that were put together about these, um, these communications. Uh, most of them were just communications to people who were, you know, grieving and, you know, mom or dad or someone sure. came back. But the difference is with a deep trance medium, the, the medium has withdrawn from her body and her control is talking and her control is, is, has people right next to him or her that are your loved ones. So there's the what they say to us is much more detailed. And I figured I would start to see some similarities among these, and I'd be able to sort of construct some notion about what it's like where they are. But what still astonishes me, and to me is one of the two best um, pieces of evidence that this is real, is the fact that when you read hundreds of them, they all are talking about the same place. I never found an outlier. Always the same physics, the same process, the same pastimes, the same geography, the same everything. And that's not possible. I mean, some were, were received in Great Britain, some were received in the United States, or uh, even a few from other places. They all went to the same place. Sandra, that's not possible if it's not real. I agree. I agree. And I, it's just, it's interesting. I have the fun of dying in front of me. And I opened it up just before I called you. And man, I've got so many things underlined and starred and <laughs> highlighted. And it's like, oh my, I mean, talk about a, just a, just a powerful, powerful thing. So let me ask you, what happens in the dying process? Because 
for most people, there's a lot of fear. There's a lot of things that are left undone. We are scared of dying. And can you just walk us through what it's like in the dying process? And maybe when we close our eyes here on earth the last time and we open them up, what it is we find? Well, it's actually all the fears that people have here are instilled in them by our culture. They either come from science, which says you're going to blink out like a light, not true. Or they come from religions, which teach you that unless you happen to thread the right needle, uh, you're going to go to hell. So all of the fears that we have are instilled by our cultural you know institutions and when we when we educate ourselves as you and i have about what actually goes on the fear of death disappears it's not natural and not only that fear disappears but so does every other fear so if people are wondering whether they should bother to look into all of this the biggest reason to do it is that it takes away all fear it it transforms your life for the better in ways that it's hard for me even to describe but here we are we're we're approaching death um we're we're at the sort of between 24 hours and and maybe 36 hours before death there's usually a burst of energy Okay. We wake up, we talk to people, we seem much more normal. It sounds, seems like we're getting better. That's a sign that we are in the last stages of death. We are, we're in our deathbed. We uh, may be surrounded by loved ones. Sometime in the period, usually it's within 24 hours, but sometimes it's only a few hours before we actually leave our bodies, we start to see people in the room that we used to think were dead. Uh-huh. They usually appear in the upper corners of the room, and they look young. They look healthy and happy, and it could be one person or even one pet, or it could be a crowd. It's very individual. Whatever is going to be best for you is what your guides make sure that you have in terms of deathbed visitors. Usually, the people around the bed will notice that we stop communicating with them because usually we don't even tell them what we see. Once in a while, we do, or once in a while, we have hints such as Steve Jobs saying, oh, wow, three times suddenly uh, just as he was very getting close to death and then he never spoke to his family again. Those were his last words. Right. So the minute you see your mom looking young and healthy or your cat that you had in childhood or whoever comes, you know you're going to be fine. So any residual uneasiness you had just disappears and you feel happy. But you're still enclosed in this boat anchor, basically, this dying body, and you need to get out of it. So what happens is we're, we're built like a Matryoshka doll, energy-nested energy bodies. Okay. The, the outer body or a couple of bodies are going to stay. The physical body is staying. And I think also that what we think of as the aura, which is an energy body that protects us, it's like a, a, a spiritual immune system, that seems also to stay. But all the inner bodies leave. And they tend to gather, people who have been awake while this was happening say it feels funny, but it doesn't hurt. They all sort of unvelcro from our extremities and gather in our chest area. And then they leave. If you're beside someone who is dying, you sometimes will see a gray mist above Mm -hmm. the body. That is actually the spirit leaving. It has been photographed. Wow, I didn't know that. Yes, and the reason that it seems to disappear is that you, once you're out of your body, you are very rapidly raising your vibratory rate to the point where people usually are unable to perceive it. Some more sensitive people still can. But that energy sort of mist 
reforms into a, a, a semblance of a body that is still attached to the, the body that's lying there, that boat anchor on the bed, okay. by a silver cord. People who have done this and been awake at the time say it's an immensely pleasurable experience. My title, The Fun of Dying, came from what the dead tell us about the process. It's really fun. I like that. You feel young. You feel healthy, happy, vigorous, powerful, thrilled. You, some people say it's an orgasmic feeling to leave the body. It's just the best. Wow. You're still attached to the body by by that what the Bible calls a silver cord. It's an energy cord that okay. you could sometimes perceive. But that's getting frayed now. It's been tough enough that you've been able to leave that body. Most nights we leave our bodies in astral travel. We've, you've been able to go to the other end of the universe and still stay attached to that boat anchor. But now it's time for you to leave. So that energy cord frays and disintegrates. And your loved ones around you are urging you to come with them. It's very important. Everyone listening, please, when you are out of your body and you're basically dying, go with these people. Do not attempt to comfort those around the bed, especially if your death was not expected. The people around the, de- the bed may be very upset. You mm-hmm. can't comfort them. And when you, if you attempt to do it, you will lower your vibratory rate and make it so you can't see mom and dad anymore, and then you could be stuck. It can be very hard to rescue people who have gone off track this way. So bit of advice Go with the people who have come for you. You can help your family later, but you can't help them until you first have finished your transition. Okay. So, Sandra, we're heading off. Yes, we are. I'm very excited about this journey. We rapidly raise our vibratory rate as to the people around us. And it seems, for many people, it, it, it seems like a, a fog it sort of is between the energy uh, areas. And for some people, it just feels like... Uh, it. One end, one edge disappears and another begins. It's just a very personal thing. But whatever it is, there, you'll, there'll be people around you all the time. It won't be scary. And what happens is that you find a whole new, solid, beautiful, amazing, earth-like, extraordinary reality exactly where you are right now. It's in the same place. How, you say, is that possible? How well, is that possible? If you, <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you think of your mind as a TV set. Okay. Right now, you're tuned to this level of reality and to that body on this level of reality. Okay. You think you're in the body, but you're nowhere near it. It's a, your, your mind is, like it is, is, is picking up an energy signal that makes you think you're in this body. When you die, all that happens is that your mind tunes to a slightly higher vibratory rate or frequency or channel, and you pick up a whole new different reality just as easily as you pick up a TV channel. That's Wh- how it works. Which means your mind is not in your brain, doesn't it? It, it, your, your mind, no, it's, <laughs> it's nowhere near your brain. Your mind is, is in connection with your brain only energetically, but your mind remains where it always has been and always will be part of the eternal capital M mind that Max Planck found <laughs> and that we have found as well. It's nothing like God, although that's really what it is. Uh, and the, well, the only way it's similar to God is that it has only one, uh, really one vibratory rate, and that's perfect love. But it's not human. This is God is not a human being. God, the, all the human gods were created in men's image, and it's time to get rid of them because the real God really is perfect. Yes. 
So I'm dying. Uh, dying is not the good word. I'm interested in knowing. Uh, is, is this a place now we have bodies and we can eat and we see our loved ones and our pets and there's flowers and is it a reality like that? Yes. In fact, the people who are there tell us that that's reality where we are now is the illusion. That's how real it is to them. It's solid. Um, there, it, There's beautiful foliage, beautiful flowers. The, there are colors we have never seen because they're beyond the visible light spectrum. Mm. We have much better sensory abilities there than we have here because here we're stuck with what our bodies can pick up. Uh, there we have what's called mind sight, which is panoramic we can see behind ourselves as well and it's so sharp there's one fellow in the early part of the 20th century commun communicating through one of these deep trance mediums and he had been almost blind in life and his one of his children said well dad can you see now he said let me tell you how well i could see about what looks like about 50 miles from here there's a mountain range and it has foothills the mountains are beautiful by the way they're much much more beautiful than here. It has, it, there are foothills. They're covered with trees. I can see from here every leaf on every tree on every foothill in front of those mountains. That's how well I can see here. I thought, wow, that's pretty graphic. Yeah. <laughs> but that's what they tell us. And our ears are much, we, we can hear things there much more beautifully. They say we have not heard music on this level at all. We don't even know what music is till we get there. So we, do we eat? drink can we hug others oh. all that well some of those things we want to do and some of those things we soon get sick of um what do you mean we get sick of? Well, here's the problem uh, and what, one of the books that that came the book that came out with liberating jesus and uh -huh. is tracking it in sales is called flying high in spirit okay mikey morgan uh, a very very advanced being first last was in a body in the 1600s he came back briefly died at 20 so he could communicate with us from there and when and he was asked this question in his book flying high in spirit and what he said was that well the question was what do you miss he said well the only thing i really miss is eating give me a chipotle burrito that's pretty he funny said, he said the problem is we can eat here but we never get hungry and we never get a sense of feeling full. And what we're tasting is our memory of what the food tasted like. So we, it feels like eating food, but it begins to feel like too much trouble. Now, this is exactly the same kind of thing that the dead were telling us 100 years ago. So, you know, there's someone who just died and there's someone who died 100 years ago telling us the same thing. I yes, love. You eat, yes, you can drink if you want to. You soon stop bothering. I love that you shared that because I wrote in my book that um, – the, the, one of the chapters I write, there's no chocolate in heaven, right? <laughs> and I, I really ticked off a lot of people. Well, because I didn't know, but here's the thing I was trying to get across is that while we're on planet Earth, really enjoy your five senses. It wasn't about really literally there was no chocolate in heaven, but somebody wrote like, I'm never going to be able to hug my child again. And I mean, it was really oh, upsetting to people. And I didn't mean to do that. But from what you're saying is we have all those things, but it may be much more satisfying here because I know with a hungry belly, food tastes better. You know, things That's like that. That's the problem. Yes, exactly right. You, you, you just, it's an exercise that feels necessary here and there just feels like a waste of energy. Right. And there are so much more important things to do. But you asked about hugs. Mikey says a hug there is a hundred times better than any hug you've ever had here. Wow. 
what the dead have told us consistently for the almost 200 years we've been getting good communications from them what they've told us consistently is that there there's really no sex there because although we could do it there's no sex drive so there's just you don't want to bother but what there is is something better mm. there is a merging of our energy bodies that we can do which is like a whole body orgasm. It is the best feeling you can possibly imagine, has no morality attached to it, and that's quite a hug. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And our loved ones are there? Yes. <laughs> How about a life review? We hear that when we die, there's a life review. There is. But um, as Jesus tells us, although no one listens to him, a lot of what he said no one listens to, um, there is a life review, but nobody ever judges us other than ourselves. What happens is that we experience all the events of our lives, apparently in detail, and I don't know how this is possible, but this is what they tell us. We very quickly review all the events of our lives, and then we go to... Uh, uh, or we have around us people that love us, and what we try to do then is to uh, uh, forgive ourselves and forgive others for the things that they did and that we did. Now, it's easy to forgive others. They tell us it doesn't matter what that other one ever did to us, but we, are, we forgive them all. It's easy, easy to do. Mm -hmm. But what we have a lot of trouble doing is forgiving ourselves. Yes. So that's what a life review is. It's it's just experiencing all the emotions we felt as part of the events and also all the emotions that other people felt. And in in experiencing that, we um get to the point where we 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 have well we easily forgive them. We get to the point where we really have to begin to forgive ourselves. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, what about parents that have lost their children? Did ch do we continue to grow up in heaven, you know? Yes. Children who die, a couple of things that you need to understand is children who die a sub-adult, you know, whether it's even in utero, a miscarriage, or children who die uh, when they're, before they're in their early 20s, they tell us are always very advanced beings. These beings are um, don't really need to come back for a whole lifetime, and it's a lot of trouble to go through a, a brief lifetime, which is a gift they give to us, but they come specifically so that they're able to give that gift. Um, it's a very important spiritual lesson to lose a child. Yeah. And so as much as I, when I say this is a gift, you're going to go, oh, my God, that could impossibly be a gift, especially if you've lost a child. These are always gifts. Your child was a very advanced being and still is, didn't need that experience. And so what your child has done is to give you the great gift of loving and losing so that you can grow spiritually. When they get there, they grow up. And this is true, by the way, also of aborted fetuses. Every aborted fetus oh. is welcomed, loved, cherished. They grow up there in a beautiful environment. With The only people allowed near them are very advanced, loving people. And they have perfect childhoods, which last until they decide it's time for them to give up. And then they they grow up. But they spend time as children. Usually two or three or to five Earth years is all it takes. And then they, of course, are young adults, which is what um, 
most of us are after we've gotten there and sort of settled down into our, our new bodies. So they, they, they wait there for their families. They Often they become our spirit guides or they otherwise help us during our lives. And when we arrive, they, they're there and they welcome us. And if you've had an abortion, that aborted child will be there as a beautiful young adult who will call you mom. Oh. Knowing that is to me the single most important reason never to even think of having an abortion. That's, by the way, information we get from a lot of different places. It's not, it's not just one or two. It's right. pretty clear that if a life was planned, you're just deciding you don't want to be the mom right now does not change the fact the life was planned. So um, if you are thinking about it, you might think about spending a few months giving the baby up to someone who will raise it, and then that child will still call you mom, but you'll be happy then to see that child. Right, right. That reminds me of another kind of controversial, delicate thing is, the, is suicide. I, I know I can't even imagine being in the midst of somebody's head who life is, there's so much despair that suicide seems the way out. What happens, because um, now heaven or whatever you wish to call it, seems to be such a grand place. Um, what happens when someone goes by suicide? Oh, it's very variable. Okay. It seems to be the case is that anyone who's sub-adult and kills himself or someone who's, you know, old and kills himself or someone who's got a terminal illness, yeah. they forgive themselves easily for it. There's a lot of encouragement for, to, in counseling and help for people to forgive themselves, and they do it easily. But people who uh, kill themselves because someone left them, plus they've got a mortgage payment they can't meet, plus they're having a bad day or whatever, whatever is going on that they, of course, planned into their life ahead of time is a way to grow spiritually. If you kill yourself under those circumstances, you may have a lot of trouble with forgiveness. And that's the real issue. I mean... God doesn't blame you. God, you know, God, we have found no evidence, and I've looked hard for it, that God has ever judged anybody for anything. Jesus has never judged anybody for anything. But we judge ourselves pretty harshly there because we know what our plan was and we know we screwed it up badly. It's a gift to be in a body right now. There are many people who would have loved to be in the body that you're in now because it's such a wonderful opportunity to grow. We can't really grow spiritually in the afterlife levels very well because there's nothing nothing to push against. There's no, there's nothing to, th think of your life as an afternoon in the gym. Okay. You're, 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 you're trying to set, to strengthen a few kinds of spiritual muscles maybe that you had trouble with in a previous lifetime. Right. There are these machines which I've seen but never ever tried and never will uh -huh. just that, that, that help you with your physical muscles. This, that's what your mother-in-law is. That's what the you know your loss of a child is, or your your having loved and lost is, or your I can't remember what all the things are that happen in people's lives. Bad job, money problems. All of those are planned into your life by you and your guides together as a way for you to grow spiritually. And knowing that, you can sort of understand since it's possible. If we know what's going on, it's possible for us to make huge spiritual progress with just what we've planned into this lifetime. We, we want to do it. Those who love us want us to do it. Um, everybody's rooting for us. And there are many people who would have, thank you very much, taken the life you're living now and done more with it. So you can't kill yourself. If you kill yourself, you're going to really, really be mad at yourself 
more than you can imagine. Well, it kind of sounds like just when we die, it doesn't mean we're going to just all of a sudden wake up as this enlightened being. No, <laughs> that's that's a really good point, Sandra. One of the things that the early 20th century folks would be most annoyed about in talking to their loved ones was that they were the same exact people they had been before they died. They did expect, you know, they'd be on a cloud with angels and harps, and but they were exactly the same people. And here is where you make the progress. You don't make it there. So, um, and it's much better. The, the, the higher your vibratory rate is spiritually, the higher you can go in the afterlife levels. And it's way more beautiful in the upper levels. So, for heaven's sake, let's all try to grow spiritually. That's why we're here. I love that you just said, for heaven's sake. <laughs> well, you know, and I... I'm, Lord, I'm dying to ask this question. Same, same thing, yes. Yeah, well, I'm thinking about... Um, life and there's a lot of really hard crappy awful things that happen and it's so easy to be locked in as a victim and i know people that everything in their life is negative and i don't even want to be around them because it's just negative 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 oh woe is me but if you really do embrace what you're saying that here is where we we get the growth spiritually and those crappy things that happen are a gift because they're going to push us to grow. It is so much more empowering to live life from, you know, gosh, you get a flat tire, uh, you know, and you could complain about it forever or you say, oh, I must have caused that for some reason. What, you know, what kind of growth can I get out of this? I think what you're saying is you can learn more and we can grow more if we get the job done while we're here in these physical bodies. And it's not hard. It's really easy. Whatever the question, love is the answer. Whatever the question, forgiveness is the answer. We are here to learn to love perfectly and to forgive completely. That's why we're here. And not just love, you know, the people that, I mean, your your puppy is cute and your tiny child and your, your parents who have been so good to you, not just them, but the people on the street, you know, the guy on the street who sneers at you and, and, and the people who have done you wrong, loving, finding out, figuring out how to love them as the perfect parts of eternal mind that they actually are, that's why we're here. Man, and I, I read in your book too, and I wrote this down, what counts the most is the happiness you give to others. Meaning- yes, that's right. That, did I write that? That was smart. You did write that. <laughs> I've got it underlined and starred and the page folded down. And can, can you that's just right. speak about that? Because it, it's great to get, from this show anyways, um, your stories about why you believe in life after death. But then it's like, then what? I mean, one of the things I feel very strongly about is empowering myself, you and who's ever listening right now. And thank you very much for listening to, you know, have some tools and to be able to live their life now more powerfully so we do get this soul growth so can you just talk about a little bit more about um the happiness that we can give to others why that's so important it turns out that the highest possible spiritual vibratory rate is love the more perfectly we love the higher is our spiritual vibratory rate and that's something which the great religions have at the core very often, but they don't emphasize them as they should. We're here to learn to grow spiritually, and the, the more we love, the higher we grow. And the, the more we do it without thinking of ourselves, 
it seems, the higher we grow. There's a story I've told several times in, in my books. Of, this was a woman who died. She must have died more than 100 years ago. And she took seriously. Jesus said, you know, no, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you give. So every single day of her adult life, she made herself do something for somebody else anonymously. That was important wow. to her. Honestly, yep. And and if someone figured out who who did, you know, left the flower on the step, it didn't have to be expensive or big things, just thoughtful things. Then she made herself do something else for somebody else. She didn't miss the day when the we, we heard of her story from not from her but from someone else who was telling his parents, "You wouldn't believe what's going on here. There are parades. There is so much celebration." And I said, "Who's this for?" Well, it turns out this woman. When she got to the afterlife levels, she was celebrated throughout an area much bigger than our universe. Wow. <laughs> Herself. Parades. They gave her parades. If you want a parade after you die, one good way to get it would be to do anonymous things for other people. Because she was making people happy every day. That's a model for how we should be living. She didn't do it for herself. She right. did it to, to make others happy and because Jesus said to do it. She did, and it was worthwhile. And par- I, I don't know what happened to her after that, but I'm assuming she ended up on a very high level. Wow, that's really great. Um, that reminds me of another question I wanted to ask you. <laughs> There's so many of us that want proof that our, our loved ones are around. And from heaven's point of view, are, are our loved ones spending time trying to get in touch with us that they're okay? It depends. They're like us. They're very different in what they care about. There seems to be a process that nearly all of them go through right after they die. It's part of the induction, like the the life review, and also the party. They do a lot of partying there. This is something most people don't know about, but there's always a party for each of us when we get there. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. And and, um, But but one of the things uh, that they do is to, the upper-level beings will offer to teach those newly arrived, how to give signs to their to their families. Okay. And there are very predictable signs, and I talk about them in the fun of staying in touch. Mikey, who was this extremely advanced being, um, and who just, as I say, returned there in 2007, he spends a lot of his effort helping people learn how to give these signs. And he gives his family signs every single day, even though, of course, it's been almost a decade since he left them. There, it's, his mother says, it's like he never left. He's doing all these things all the time. But he's unusual. Most of our loved ones will give us some signs. We will ignore them because we don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. And they will shrug and they will go on and have a nice life there. Even though we might miss them, they know from their perspective in a minute, they'll turn around and we'll be there after having lived another 50 years. Time is very different there. It doesn't exist here the way it does there, Mm -hmm. there the way it does here. So they don't miss us. They can check in whenever they like. It's very different for them than it is for us. So I recommend to people that you satisfy yourself that that your loved one is fine. Um, my I didn't believe in in spiritual mediums because whenever I tested them, and that was about oh fifteen years ago, I was doing a lot of even very expensive ones. They were not doing a good job. It was oh. my fault. I now understand it was my fault because I didn't have anybody for whom I was grieving. They were all it had been dead a while. And and I was being skeptical from the beginning. I was right. a researcher testing them. Right. So uh, it was it was tough for them, and I I am sorry about that now. But it really wasn't until about a year ago that I came to understand there are some 
very good spiritual mediums. Yes. And the one that I use and I recommend to everybody is Suzanne Wilson of Arizona. You can work with with a medium anywhere in the world from wherever you are because the best readings are done by phone anyway. And she's terrific. She has really transformed my life. So I recommend that people find a good spiritual medium, get in touch with mom and dad, make sure they're fine or whoever else is missing. Be sure they're, they're fine, satisfy yourself, and then live your own life, trying to get as high as you can spiritually. That's what it's all about. That's the whole game. Wow. And for our listener, on if you go to wedontdieradio.com, I have um, Roberta Grimes' episode, and I will have the contact information for Susan Wilson that you just recommended and for your books and everything else we're talking about. So fear not if you you didn't get to write this down. (laughs) Oh my. Okay. One more thing I want to ask you before we get into um, your new book is the quantum physics. I mean, I know that's pretty broad thing to get into, but there was, (laughs) I've had, yeah, I've had some things happen to me that are, like holy cow moments like so mind-blowing and one of them is something called remote viewing um and it's like an esp technique when you can quiet your mind and you can actually see what's on somebody's dining room table or before you open a magazine you can tell what pictures are in the magazine and it 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 was it's such a mind-blowing experience that like that told me that we can't possibly just be this body we can't so in your book it's the first time that i read that and I like I I knew this, but it was just really nice to read. You write that um, from that quantum level, we're all made up of energy, and within us we have molecules and cells and atoms and that. However, all that works. But you were the one who said that if you just put a teeny tiny camera inside one of our atoms, um, you know, because we look like we're made up of you know, skin and bones and hair and whatever else we've got clothes on. But if we put a tiny little camera into one of our atoms, it wouldn't see anything. All we really are is made up of vibrating energy. And you, you said that in your book. And I remember thinking that was one of those aha, holy cow moments that really convinced me that everything we're looking at is an illusion. It is. It's a really, really good one, though. Oh, it sure is. (laughs) <laughs> and and we actually come into this, I, our, most of our minds are not even accessible to us while we're in a body. And we come into this body basically having pledged to agree in the trick. We, we've, we are pledged to not look behind the curtain. Oh. And um, so we don't. But in fact, and you know, it's funny to be talking about quantum physics. Yeah. Because proudly, I'll tell you, I never got past Algebra 2 and I never took physics even in high school. Oh, me neither. And, that's yeah. all actually an advantage because it, to, to think about math and to think about, which doesn't seem to matter in the rest of reality, and to think about, um, about physics as solid is, is a distraction from the fact that intuitively, I think, we all understand that we are mind. We're part of eternal mind. That's what's going on. And Max Planck got the 1918 Nobel Prize for quantum mechanics. He's the one who got, got the big prize for it. He's a very smart man. He said the only thing that exists is consciousness. We can't get behind consciousness. Everything we talk about, everything we regard as existing, postulates consciousness. He literally used quantum physics right at the start, early 20th century, 
to, to realize what they'd really found was, was God. However, um, this, because physicists are so invested in the notion that what's physical must be solid somehow, and right. even though they have all the evidence in the world that that's not true, uh, they've ignored those things he said and gone on to look at physics in a more complicated way. It's really simple. Quantum physics is a kind of plug that attaches the Newtonian physics, which actually does work in this level of reality and is math-based, to the physics of more than 95% of reality, which is entirely consciousness-based. It's the plug. That's all. It's easy. <laughs> you just said that and lost me. But that's okay. I don't need to get it. <laughs> no, no, I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to get it. But here's what I want to say is you said we all kind of came into this life and agreed, to, you know, that it's a trick or however you worded it. And it's just like, I, I think if we knew 24-7 that we are these infinite souls and we're just having a human experience there would be no fun of living right like so we had to come in here and really think that this is it like we you know it just it's just making me think like yeah we signed up for believing this and i think one of the things that we all got as a gift and a curse sometimes is this internal thinking that's man i'm not my own best friend i criticize myself all the time i think i got fear that shows up and is that something that we were given uh, as part of the trick to just have us help not remember who we really are it's it's really just that they want us to take the gym seriously we're here <laughs> to you know we're yeah like, like, you're funny but they they want us right to take seriously these lessons. But I can assure anybody who's worried that somehow it won't be fun once you know this stuff, the fun of my life really began when I began to understand the truth. It's the most amazing thing because you're, you have fears, you have worries, you have pains. Um, yes, you get to taste a burrito, but it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just that's, that's small potatoes compared to understanding that you are right. the best beloved child of an infinitely loving God. That, to me, is a lot more important. And when I really got all of that, wow, it's just the best feeling on earth you can imagine. And I think then you start taking the, even though you can see that the machine is just a machine, it's a kind of trick, Right. you no longer feel the grief you felt before for people who have died because yeah. you understand what's going on you can see behind the curtain a little bit right but it makes you all the harder try to ace out the lessons you know yeah i know it's just a lesson but i still want to get an a yeah definitely and i think it's so important everything you're doing to share your message your books i know you've been on over 100 radio shows this past year i mean you're you're out there and the thing is for any one of us whether it's listening to one of our shows whether it's picking up a book whether it's going to a seminar the more times that we can remind ourselves that this is real like life after death is real we are eternal souls here in a human body that is real the more times we hear that um i think it keeps us in in the game and and like looking for opportunities to love and forgive and to grow because even though roberta i wrote my book and even though i've had some pretty mind-blowing experiences i cannot remember them on my own unless i stay engaged and i also know when i stay engaged i talk to somebody like you or if i read a book or something like that I remember to do things like quiet my mind, whether you call it meditation or whatever. I remember to be in the present moment. And by doing those kind of things, I think 
for myself anyways, I've had a whole lot more synchronicities. I will even say I've had miracles show up. I've had people come into my life that I thought, were they here just for me? I mean, so I'm, so whether it's raising my vibration or tapping into something, I don't know, but the quality of life seems to be much better when I'm engaged in this conversation. I would totally, absolutely agree with you. I'm like, amen. It's amen, sister. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, There is nothing like the kind of feeling you have for other people when you really understand what's going on. You can look at people that you used to think were awful, and you can see the God in them. You're able to begin to really love everybody. And it's it's always for all of us. It's just a, it's a new set of habits, but it's not something that's automatic. We need no. to work at it. Yeah, but it works. Um, my, my the book that I'm going to be putting out in 2017 will be called "The Fun of Growing Forever," and that's what it will be about. Easy tricks for for Ace in this lifetime. <laughs> Is that your and, subtitle? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thinking about maybe that should yeah. be. Yeah, but well, but that's it, it's not hard. We tend to think it's hard. It's not. It's easy because it feels natural. It's only hard to change all the bad habits we've built over our whole lifetime of thinking wrong. Right. Wow. Well, take us through what you're passionate about now and um, liberating Jesus. And I, I just started reading it and I'm on the kingdom of God is within you. I'm like, oh, this is so good. <laughs> well, you bad part, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's important because... Um, if we are these eternal souls and or whatever you want to call us uh while we're here on this lifetime i mean we have this within us not just after we close our eyes on on earth for the last time so could you share what liberating jesus is all about why you wrote that as opposed to i mean i know you still have got your fun of uh coming up but what's liberating jesus all about liberating jesus came because um I learned early in this year, um, quite, I, I had never wanted to know the spirit guide who talked to me when I was eight, who's clearly been guiding everything I've done in my whole life mm-hmm. since. I never wanted to know him. As, as um, I, I, I've told people, it's like not caring what's under the hood. It really doesn't matter if my car runs well, I don't need to know him. Well, he decided it was time since I wasn't anymore taking his direction and I was sort of going off the reservation. He broke into my life early this year through Suzanne Wilson and let me know I could call him Thomas I said that's very nice you know I wondered about and he said yes I was Thomas Jefferson in a previous lifetime oh wow that's pretty cool yeah well I I wasn't as surprised as I should have been because I've been obsessed with Thomas Jefferson my whole life and he said that was by by design you wrote a book on Thomas and Jefferson didn't you yeah my my novel my Thomas is about to be reissued my Thomas it's called called my Thomas okay because um, since I've done Thomas's book, uh, he has graciously allowed me to uh, include a foreword which says that this is a channeled book. The novel was channeled, and I realize now that had to have been channeled. Mm. But that's all. I'll, t- I'll tell you about that in a minute because I'm working on that now. But okay. what Thomas said was that as Thomas Jefferson, he had written a book but not published it because the time was not right. But now we must put this book out because uh, humanity is on a course to disaster. In 200 years, there will be a climactic end times war started by Christians. And we, are, we need to basically change their, their perception of 
Jesus and of Christianity to what it was intended to be, or we're going to hell in a handbasket. And I thought I couldn't channel a book. Turns out, of course, anybody can. So this is his book. That's mind-blowing. You just said that. (laughs) I'm like, okay. Everybody, many okay. people think they're just really clever, as I did, as writers, and really it's it's their guides who are okay. working through them, because then the guides don't care. They're, they just want the work done. But um, I realize now that this was the reason I signed up for this lifetime, um, because in all the work I've done up to now has led up to liberating Jesus. But okay. in liberating Jesus, what Thomas and Jesus say and and I ended up channeling Jesus too, my Lord. I I what they say is that Jesus came, and you can see it in the Gospels. It's all in the Gospels. Jesus came not to start a religion, but to free us from superstition and teach us how to make the best spiritual progress while on earth. It's all in the Gospels. Hmm. Christians are not following the Gospels. That's the problem. They're following the religion that was formed in. Um, in uh, you know the the first century, and have it really has not no one's allowed, been allowed to even change that religion in two thousand years. I could have written this book, but I would not have written it on my own. I, I would I didn't even after it was after it it took them basically a couple of weeks to channel this book forty thousand words, and when it was over, a couple of weeks, want, yeah. Oh my um, gosh, that, yes. And when it was over, I was very troubled. I didn't want to do anything with this because um, I just didn't believe it was. It, I, they I, they convinced me over a three month period that this was what the Lord wanted, and since it's what the Lord wants, you've got to do it. You don't have a choice. But believe me, Sandra, it was not my choice to be the one who published this book. Just as Thomas Jefferson apparently wrote it and then chickened out. I don't blame him. It would have just destroyed his career and his life when he would have written it in old age and uh, and he would not, it would not have worked then. Now it can work because now they have plowed the field and plowed it deep. Surveys worldwide show that more and more people are saying, like you, that they're more spiritual and less religious. The hold of religions all over the world is lessening on us. The hold of superstitions all over the world is lessening on us. We're ready to hear God's truth. But what's a miracle is that the other way that I could have confirmed, and before I ever started this book, I confirmed that the afterlife evidence had to be right, is that the dead are telling us things about God, reality, death, the afterlife, and the meaning and purpose of human life that Jesus told us 2,000 years ago. The same things in detail. And there's no way we could have confirmed the words of Jesus in the Gospels as actually true until the 20th century. That's a miracle. Yeah. What happened in the 20th century to confirm it? We, well, we, we began to get all these really good communications from dead people. Oh, They're oh, all oh, the, oh. talking about the same thing. Yeah, I got you. You know, it's funny, Roberto, because I, I hear you talking about channeling and all this, and I've got my little inner skeptic, and I'm like, oh, like, I just see how it pops right up, like, oh, come on, lady, you know, what are you talking about, Thomas Jefferson? And no, no, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not critiquing in any way, but what I'm watching is my own inner mechanism. Because it wants to fight, and then it's like, wait a minute, let's remember what you're doing, who you are, what this is all about. And it's just like, I'm, so I'm just watching the internal workings of my mind, and I know that we all have that. You know, we, we, we kind of have this filter that we listen to everything through, but like, I can really get it. And um, 
and I think part of my past is just being so, cause I grew up Catholic, uh, going to church every Sunday and things like that. And throughout my life, I've met some really hardcore Christians that have, you know, this way is the only way. And so I feel kind of weird sometimes when guests yeah. talk about God and Jesus and religion. And, but that's not what you're exactly doing. You're, you're bringing up some pretty profound truths that are in the gospels. So you wouldn't really say your book is a Christian book. No, in fact, it's anti-Christian, I'm sorry to say. Okay. And I'm, I've been a devout Christian all my life, which is one of the things that troubled me so much about this book. Yeah. Jesus never meant to start a religion. He meant to start a philosophy that would teach, that would free us from religions. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free from what? From the hold of superstition, that's from what? And that's what he was trying to do. He calls... He actually calls this book, Liberating Jesus, his second revelation. The first revelation was the Gospels that we still ignore. Mm -hmm. The second revelation is stop ignoring the Gospels. It's I wanted, you know, you, you start, you're, you're, you're working with, the, the with what the dead call the master. I've never seen him called anything but the master. And he's in your, he's in your mind and you're trying to work fast because he's going so fast. But then, they would, if there's ever a pause, you stop and ask a question. Well, there's other, there's other Gospels. We could you? No. He would immediately say, no. Well, what about a quote from somebody? That, no. He wouldn't do anything. He wouldn't do anything I wanted. Neither Tom, Thomas would neither. Um, Thomas spent another three months tinkering with the book, but he didn't touch the parts where Jesus said, this is what I meant when I said this, and this is what I meant when I said that. But what Jesus did, when you think about it, the words of Jesus in the Gospels were said in Aramaic, and they waited 30 years before anybody ever wrote them down, and mm -hmm. probably different people. So it's amazing we have his words to begin with. Right. They were translated into Greek and from Greek into English. But yet, if you take a modern translation of the Gospels in English and put it beside what we learn from the dead, it matches perfectly. That's not a coincidence. That's a miracle. Yeah. Because it shows us that what Jesus did was to make sure those modern translations would agree with the afterlife evidence which we're now being given. Why are we being given it? In order to confirm that Jesus really meant what he said. That's why. Incredible. I'm in your book now, uh, Liberating Jesus, and um, I know there's more to this than the sentence I'm going to read, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted you. Right. That's Jesus. What did he mean by that? He meant you have a powerful mind. If you look at what he says about faith and prayer, what he's saying is all you have to believe is you can do something and you're able to do it. People he healed, he would say your faith has made you well, your mind healed you. These are things which Max Planck could have told you and these are things that the dead are telling us now and Jesus, these are things Jesus told us 2,000 years ago. Right, right. Um, there are people who love Christianity and I'm one of them. I came to the point where I could no longer... I had to choose. I could have Jesus or I could have Christianity. That's how different the teachings of Jesus are from what all the denominations teach. I've been Protestant. I've been Catholic. I've been all kinds of Christian, and very zealously so. There comes a time when you have to choose because you can't have both. I chose Jesus. I've never regretted that for a moment. I've been happier than I've ever been in my life. 
but you can't have both. And people have said to me, well, how do you know? Well, And so I would just say, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But you can pick up your Gospels, which I didn't write. I had enough. Just buy a red-letter Gospel and read the words of Jesus on love and forgiveness and spiritual growth. That's it. That's all you have to do. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you can throw away the rest. Jesus says that. He says it right in the Gospels. Wow. But nobody listens to him. Wow, wow, wow. I am all about empowering people to live powerfully now. And I know my dad went to church every day, and he died of cancer, and all he wanted to do was do Jesus' work and have people... Like when he was in the hospital, Roberta, he wanted every person that came in to leave being happier because they were in that room. Like he just wanted to keep giving. And I mean, dad was really pro Jesus, all the way pro Jesus. Yeah. And I met a gal at a seminar who um, was kind of afraid to tell me that she has these medium hits. And she just came out of the blue and she says, yeah, it's a little weird, but I just have to ask you a question. She says, your dad deceased? And I says, yeah. She says, was his name John? And I says, yeah. Was he about this tall with brown hair, brown eyes? I says, yeah. She says, he wants me to tell you he's by Jesus' side. Does that mean oh, anything I'm to so, you? Yeah. It was wild. That is beautiful. Yep. Beautiful. Yep. And so, my dear, this book you're telling me is something big. It's got to be because you've got some of the biggest stores in the world that are going to start <laughs> carrying it. Oh um, yes. What what <laughs> miracle caused that? that? I mean, yes. There's a, what that means because yeah, no one hearing us now has ever heard of Roberta Grimes, right? Right. Costco, all of them, they do not stock anything but but proven best-selling authors. Right. Ten of the major chains, including Barnes and Noble, Costco, Target, Walmart, Kmart, uh, yep. both CVS and Walgreens, ten of them, the Hudson's in the airports, have bought this book. I didn't sell the book to them. You know who did. Mm-hmm. I have goosebumps just flooding me right truth, now. I didn't. I still had trouble believing that this was this was of God until that happened. And I said, okay, whatever happens now, I know at least who's behind the book. I know who's behind it. You know, this this interview is really good for me, too, because there's so much I want to do. And there's, I mean, I really want to unite so many people with that have this message and get out big time. You know, not ego-based, but just because I know it helps people. It helps people with grief. It helps people with life. And, you know, you just told me something just so powerfully that I've got a spirit guide. I believe we all do, right? We all do. I have 11. You may have many, too. Yeah, but I mean, it's just to, to trust the process and and ask and it'll be given and I think things will happen in their due time and when I'm meant to do something it'll show up and you know you're you've written a book now that's extremely powerful and um and the words need to get out there and so what's the best way to do it is let's just get it in the biggest stores around everything everything since 2000 in 2009 and this I recommend to everybody 2009 I gave my life to God I just started every day praying thank you for giving me work to do thank you for showing me how to do it Mm -hmm. and from then on whatever seemed to be an opportunity or something that was being shown to me I tried it and in most cases it was what I was supposed to do within within three months I was writing the fun of dying I hadn't even known I was going to write write a book and here what is this I'm writing oh my goodness it's turning into a book that's where that book came from just 
It just show up. If you give your life to God, God will use you in ways you, that make you so happy, much happier than anything you can think up yourself. Yeah. And it's funny because you say give your life to God. It's not, this is not like a religious conversation. No, there is a real God and no religion follows the real God. No religion I've ever heard of. Yeah. Although I think religions are good because there's community and getting together. I, and I say nothing against religions, dear. Right. Whatever enables people to find spiritual peace and to grow spiritually, I'm all for it. The problem is that all the religions are fear-based. What you fear, you cannot love. And until we learn to love God perfectly, we can't even begin to see other people as we need to see them, never mind learn to love them. That's why I had to leave Christianity in the end. I couldn't get rid of the fear. Yeah. Fear is crippling. It is. Gosh, is it going to be fun to stay connected with you? <laughs> yeah, we're best friends now. We're going to have lunch. B- BFFs, yeah, we're going to have lunch. No, but I mean, for, for myself, because I... And, and I hope for other people, I mean, I, I'm not trying to push anything down anybody's throats like this is the only way, but to spark that interest in you that's going to have you have a great life, have you um, get further and advance in this lifetime because you've heard some of these things. Some things might not fit. Well, don't use them. Throw them away. But if something really calls to you, use it and empower yourself. You know, this is really great, Roberta. Well, our time is almost up. What haven't I asked you that I should? Uh, and what kind of gifts or maybe a, a tool can you give us for just living a better life today? <laughs> How's that for questions? <laughs> Thank you. I, now I have the floor, I guess. <clears throat> the yes, first, ma'am. The most important thing. Let me just sure take a drink. <clears throat> The most important thing for listeners to remember is that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began. You never will end. You are part of the infinitely powerful mind of God, and you are good to your core. That's who you are. But you're eternal. You're not immortal. You are not defined in terms of death. Death comes nowhere near you ever, and that's true of all the people you love. I find that, frankly, the most empowering thought. Yes. That I can give them in short notice. Yeah. But um, to my Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on webtalkradio.net. I'm also on iTunes, um, and it's always free. And also robertagrimes.com is my website. Um, we're going to put on a conference in Scottsdale in September, September 12th to 15th, no, 15th to 18th which is going to be all about afterlife communication because there are great, great breakthroughs being made there. So more and more people are able to stay in regular touch with those they love, and it's not hard. So I'll be giving you more information, Sandra, that you can share with your listeners oh, as, as it's developed. But we've just started to, to put together this conference. Wow. Really terrific. <laughs> I'm really, I'm just, I just have a huge smile on my face. Roberta Grimes, thank you from the bottom of all of our hearts for engaging in this conversation today. Thank you, Sandra. I think you're wonderful. I appreciate so much what you do. Oh, and even you just, thank you for that. Even just looking on iTunes, I was on my iTunes page for my podcast and it says, your listeners are always also listening too. And, um, Seeking Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm like, oh, we've got, you know. We've got to Yeah, like it's time for us to yes. connect. Yes. yes. We're, we're doing the same work, and there are so many people listening now who have work to do. Just open your heart, and you'll you'll find what your part is to play, and it'll make you happier than you can possibly imagine. Open your heart. Yes. And ask, 
and know that we have spirit guides and whatever the question love is the answer or whatever the question forgiveness is the answer there's been so many gems that have come out of this episode (laughs) roberta thank you thank you thank you you, thank you and to our guest oh that's our guest to our listener here uh thank you again and again this might be your first um conversation that you've been listening to this might be one of many i just really want to thank you for taking the time to be here i hope it's been a value to you really really um if you can see all of our past episodes on we don't die radio.com i love to hear from you if you want to send an email or leave a review on itunes that's always uh welcome and remember to visit robertagrimes.com listen to some of her wonderful episodes on seek reality with roberta grimes again on we don't die radio I have Roberta's episode and all the things she's been speaking about. Her books and links to just the things she's mentioned are all there for you to easily just click on and go to and check out some more. So in closing, uh, my name is Sandra Champlain. I've been your host on We Don't Die Radio. I do believe with all my heart that life is an education for the soul and that your life here on earth is important. So make it count. Go do something you normally wouldn't do today. Have a growth spurt, uh, advancement for your soul. And thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. (music) 